In the name of God, the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. We want to talk this morning about the Gospel, uh, the prologue of the Gospel of John, where John is echoing the words of Genesis. Genesis, the first book of the Bible, begins in the beginning, and John begins his Gospel in the beginning. In the book of Genesis, uh, in the beginning, God speaks, <laughs> and uh, in the beginning, St. John tells us about the word that God speaks. I want to talk about this a prologue of the Gospel of John, but I want you to just notice something today as we go to the Eucharist. Um, we lift up our hearts to the Lord. We join our voices with the angels and the archangels and with all the company of heaven. And then there is a, a, a prayer called a proper preface. And it's a... It's, you know, a special prayer for the particular season of the year that we're in. And there's a proper preface for the incarnation. And if you're following along in the prayer book, you won't see it in the prayer book because it's on a different page. You have to know where it is and flip back and forth. But you just listen for it. Listen for the preface, for the special prayer. We're bound to praise you. Why? And then you'll hear why we're bound to praise you. Especially for the incarnation of your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ the Lord, uh, who has given us the power to become your children. Um, just listen to that preface as it goes by. And listen for the echoes in the prologue of the Gospel of John. And listen for the echoes in the reading that we're having from Galatians today. So, first of all, a little bit about the Word, the Word that was in the very beginning. Uh, there are many creation stories in the Middle East. The, the story in Genesis has parallels and similarities with many of them, but it's utterly unique in many, many ways. One of the ways in which it is utterly unique is that God creates out of nothing. Um, um, the other creation stories are somewhat dramatic and let's just say erotic but here God creates out of nothing and how does God create in the book of Genesis this is also unique in the book of Genesis God creates by speaking God says and it is God says and it is God says and it is God creates through his word now there's nothing closer to you than the word that you have and so the word is God's perfect self-expression. And the perfect self-expression of God is God's only begotten son, his eternally and only begotten son. His eternal and only begotten son is, is his eternal word of seeking, searching, and sacrificial love. John is trying to tell the Greek-speaking world who Jesus Christ is. He's trying to tell them that he is God incarnate. And this is a very difficult idea for the ancient Greek world. Many of their thinkers would have had a, a great dichotomy, a great opposition between spirit and matter. For the Jewish people, the creation is shot through with the glory of God. For at least some of the Greeks, they regard uh, the material world as a prison as, as a captivity from which they need to be 
released the idea that, that the Spirit has in some way completely and irrevocably identified himself with the material world and particularly with, with human flesh is a very difficult idea for them. How is he to explain it? He explains it by translating a Hebrew word into a very powerful Greek word. The Hebrew word is debar. That's the word for word in Hebrew. Now, God's word in the Bible is not just um, locution, right? It's not just uh, uh, um, verbiage. It's not even teaching, it's not even propositions, it's not even doctrine. God's word in the Bible is, he says, and it is so. St. Paul says it this way, he calleth the things that are not as though they are. By his word, he calls things into being. And St. John translates this word, the word that's become flesh in Jesus Christ, by the Greek word logos. We all know about logos. When we were in school, we probably studied biology or, or geology or something, something like that. Logos, it means word, but it also means the fundamental rationality of things. And this was a debate that was in the ancient world. Is there a fundamental rationality of things? And can it be discovered? And can it be known with any kind of confidence? Is there such a thing as truth? And some... Plato, Socrates say, yes, there is such a thing as truth, and we, however dimly we can know it. Uh, others say, no, there's nothing true that man saying makes it so. But the noblest, the noblest of the, of the Greeks were inspired by this idea of the word, that there was a truth behind, there was a rock-bottom truth behind everything, and that you could grasp it in some way and that you could lay a hold of the truth. You could lay a hold of that which was truly beautiful and you could really know that which was really good. And they wanted to live, and we still say it, by the light of reason. They wanted to live according to the Logos. They wanted to be people of the Logos, the best of them anyway. And so St. John, he wants to reach them with the good news that God has become one of us and dwelt among us as pitched his tent. There's one way of translating what God has done in Jesus Christ. Dwelt among us, pitched his tent. How to explain it? This word that you reverence, this word that you worship, this word that motivates you, this word that you, that you, you strive to comprehend, that you struggle to lay hold of. This word that was in the beginning and through whom everything was made, for God makes everything through his word of love, his perfect word of love, which perfectly expresses himself. This is the way that God makes everything in the power of the Spirit. This word has become flesh and dwelt among us and become accessible. And accessible not as a 
philosophical system and not as a set of propositions, and although it will spawn great thinking of every sort, but it has become accessible in a person. And Jesus Christ, who reveals to us, who more than reveals to us, as Martin Luther says, makes habitable to us, makes so that we can lay hold of it. What is faith? Faith is the wherewithal we lay hold of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. So this, this word of love, which is the, the deepest reason behind all things, which has been at work from the very beginning, which is the principle that keeps the stars in, its course, in, in their courses, and is the creative power of all things that hold things in being, this word has become flesh in Jesus Christ, the true light which enlightens everyone. You have some light of reason, the light that's behind the light of reason that you have, that light has come into the world. One of the earliest uh, Christian ornaments that we know about is a cross that would have been worn around the neck. It has two Greek words. It has phos and zoe. It's, a, you know, the omicrons in the middle, right? Phos, zoe, right? Light and life. What does the crucified and risen one bring to us? But he brings us light and life. So this is the word that has become flesh and dwelt among us in Jesus Christ the Lord. You cannot see God and live. Moses wants to see God and, and, and God says you can't see me and live. No one's beheld the glory of God, but we have beheld his glory. We can look upon him. We can look upon him in the face of Jesus Christ the Lord and in the tender mercy of the Savior we can receive God in such a way, not as to be overwhelmed, but in such a way so that we can respond freely to him. Now this is something, it's an observation pointed out by uh, the Orthodox priest John Bear. In the beginning, in the book of Genesis, God says, and it is, God says that it is, God says that it is, God says that it is, and then all of a sudden God says, let us make talking about the human being. First takes two, the man and the woman. It's a process, he's making something. When is, when is this process finished? Father Bear says, when Jesus breathes his last and says, is it finished? To be really human beings, to be really the image and likeness of God, We have to surrender to the creative word of God's love working in us. And he does that perfectly for us. So that in and through him, we can do it ourselves. This is what St. Paul is talking about in the reading from Galatians today when he says, before faith came, we were imprisoned under the law. God has given us a holy and a righteous way of life. It confirms in us our intuition about the difference between right and wrong. If you take the Ten Commandments anywhere, they'll be recognized. 
but we also recognize that we can't be as good as we want to be, and we recognize that we can't make our world as good as we want it to be. And so St. Paul says, until faith was revealed, uh, the law was our disciplinarian. So one function of the law is that it tells us the difference between right and wrong. Another function is it takes us to school. That's the disciplinarian. It's the nanny who takes the child to school. It takes us to school, and we learn that we need help, that we need assistance, that we need God to finish his work in us to finish this human project. And in faith, we reach out and make our own the true human life that by the grace of God from heaven to earth has descended in Jesus Christ the Lord. And then the law becomes no longer to us a curse, but something with the grace of God we can pursue, growth, and holiness. The law was given through Moses, grace and truth through Jesus Christ. No one's ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have perceived his glory glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Praise be to God. In the name of God the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.